What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Middle Cuff! Hey, me Philly Hames! Went to the uh, old Middle Cuff stopping grounds. I went to every bar. I was like, uh, John Middle Cuff sent me? Like, it doesn't... Oh, you'll like this, John. So, Saturday night, okay? Virginia is playing one of the greatest... Is about to play one of the greatest games in the history of the tournament. Yes. Would you agree? Just one of the craziest games ever. Yeah, excellent game, Yes. I go into a sports bar that has, this is not an exaggeration, 45 televisions. 45. There, there, by, the, by the yard? No, not near the yard. It was downstairs under a restaurant called Davio's. Does that mean okay. anything to you? No. And I swear to you, there was one wall that that wall alone I counted had like 19 televisions. Like downtown Philly? I'm not honestly sure. Yeah, I think. Like gotcha. 17th and something. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Sansom. And yeah, yeah. okay. And as I'm coming down the stairs, I hear what is clearly to me a like a minor league, like not a big not the voice of a big major league broadcast, right? This is not a big league broadcast. It sounds like a high school football game is getting broadcast or something. Yeah. We get into the bar and they have two things on television. The 76ers game and a Penn Lacrosse game. And the Penn Lacrosse game is what's being piped in through the speakers. How many people do you think are there? Uh, the space is very large. It's not nearly filled. I'd say in total, 55 people there. Gotcha. Not a lot of people. Penn is right down the street. Not a single television had the NCAA tournament on. Not a single one. That's pretty crazy. And we looked at each other and said, I think we should leave. And then you went to another bar. And then we went to the bar in this nice restaurant that had one TV, but it had the tournament on its TV. What was the restaurant? This place, Davios. Uh, is that where you guys ate? Twice, yeah. Pretty good? Pretty good. The, here's something they do that I wish every restaurant did. Did, did you not go to Pat's Regino's? Didn't go to Pat's Regino's. Didn't Time have limited. Yeah. They have, this restaurant has, you can order their main pasta dishes as a side. So okay. you get a sm- kind of, And kind of split it? Well, no, I just mean like, if you don't want, if you want a steak, but you also want to try the spaghetti, you can do a steak and a side of spaghetti. Oh, like a side salad? Yes. 
but a side of carbs. Correct. <laughs> I, I like what they're doing. Like, Would you say they take food there pretty seriously? You've never been to this place. <laughs> I, I mean, I probably have. I'll, I'll Google it right now. D- it sounds excellent. D-A-V-I-O-S. I, I didn't have that much money when I was there. Yeah. Understood. But I did you did you walk by like Capitol Grill or anything downtown? Um, no, I don't think I did. You, did you guys go after the game or anything to get any beers at the place like Xfinity Live right there by? Uh, did you, you were you saw it though when you were going to the ballpark, right? Yeah, I saw it in the day, but no, we just went back to Davios. That place gets hopping. I remember when it first got built, because it wasn't there when I first got there. By my right. second year, it was built, and they had like a mechanical pull, and I remember. I remember you telling me about this. Kelsey, when he was young, I think was pretty – I mean, he is pretty nuts naturally. Jason Kelsey. Yeah, as he's aged, he's married. But as we saw a couple years ago at the parade, <laughs> he's got pitches, you know, in his arm that other guys just don't have. And I think there were some pretty epic tales of just him go again, starting center for the Eagles, just going out normally. And that's what's cool, I think, about cities like Philly – and even like I, you know, probably New York's a little more elitist. Like in Philly, they're just the bars are the bars, right? It's not like it's just you're just gonna go someplace and you're just going out. Like you just go to a bar and be like, oh, there's Selleck and Todd Airmans, and they're just be sitting at the front of the bar, you know. Just, and in Philly, they recognize their offensive guards. One hundred guy, they don't just recognize them. They they don't pay for a drink, you know. I mean, they're just they're taking your girl too, and you don't even mind. It's a great. I mean, it's a pretty elite sports town. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Plus, they're on a roll. Like, the Eagles. Well, Doug, Doug was there. I saw a picture. You didn't. You said you didn't see him. I, I mean, I saw him. Like, I saw him from the – I could see him, but I didn't see him. Was, he, he, he didn't bring the scooter, right? He was on crutches. Correct. You know the story with him and Bryce? Have we talked about this? I'm well, sure I, did, I, I read the story that he gave the uh, – gave a, helped the Phillies out and, like, gave a video about him coming. Yeah, because I guess Doug Peterson's father-in-law is a Bryce. Bryce is his favorite player. And yeah. so the video was, if you come here, I'll see my father-in-law more than once a year. You'll bring my family together. What's funny is most people take the opposite approach, right? They wouldn't want to change that. And what's also funny is your dad, your father-in-law doesn't come to like a bunch of Eagles games? The funny thing is I saw the Phillies tweeted out a picture, like game-recognized game or something, and it was just <laughs> Doug shaking – Bryce's hand yeah. pregame and yeah. Doug has the crutches yeah. and you know and Bryce's it's like he's just walking out to BP and just the responses you know are just like what I see and it's just a picture of like goats running and you know just like two goats <laughs> and just a lot of like underrated Doug has great hair and he does it's just gray but I mean it's it's legit thick flow yeah I mean Doug probably has one of the better hair just pure hair in the NFL like McVeigh and, and Kingsbury try really hard. Like Doug doesn't. They have like okay. stylish haircuts, but I don't know how good their hair really is. Yeah, yeah Doug just has a thick, sweet head of hair. Now it's just been great. He great. Well, you know who also sneaky has a great head of hair is Bill. The hoodie. Yeah. Yeah, he has thick hair. He's got a lot to work with, like the old mop. Have you seen, by the way, speaking of dads or father in laws? Did you read the story about? I didn't realize, or maybe they talked about it on the broadcast, that Dick Bennett. Who, Tony's dad, who's like in the stands at all these games and like hugged them, has only now like started coming to games. You know what's funny is we're like, is the first father son combination Final Four? I'm like, damn, I didn't know that Tony Bennett had a kid on the team. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. And I was like, oh, they're talking about his dad as a coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they go to the dad. Because at first I was like, God, I, 
you know, one of these white guys' kid? Well, did you know, like, Tony didn't start coaching until he was in his 30s. Because what, did he, like, worked in real estate or something? Well, because he knew his dad, it was like his dad was going to retire, so he decided he'll be the ops guy at 30 years old at Washington State for his dad. So his dad coached at Washington State. Yep. Took Wisconsin so him, to the final. So field. him going to Washington State was like a family connection. He followed his, not a family connection, he followed his dad. That's kind of that, that's a sneaky lot of pressure. He, Except it worked out he, better than Pat Knight, as you were like we were talking about. You brought up Pat Knight before the podcast. That's that's pretty good. Uh, was his dad? I mean, Washington State's best coach in the history of the program. Uh, one of the best. I mean, they had Kelvin Sampson. They had George Raveling. I don't know if I don't know like if Dick took him to more tournaments or what the deal is. But you know, actually, an un, just an underrated athletic program. Like they've had really good football coaches over the years. Like they've had a lot of success. Yeah, you know, in basketball and football. Right. Right. You know, John Olerud played there. Yeah. Baseball. They just... Steve, uh, Steve Gleason played at Washington State. He did? Yeah. Both sports, baseball and football. I did not know. So, I mean, Steve Gleason was like a legit athlete then. Yeah. Clearly, because he was a special teamer in the NFL. Yeah. But Dick Bennett, John, used to go to a hotel room, like a ballroom, and watch. He couldn't, it's like too physically, like just, he couldn't take it emotionally. He, not so he's like Billy Bean or Jerry West. Like, just he can't. can't sit and then I guess a buddy of his died last year, and he just decided, like, I just gotta, it just put his light. He just, I gotta be there. I gotta watch my son coach a games. Well, before we get into ease, or maybe we should get into ease. Well, one thing you notice with March Madness is the wives. Like, how, like, there was a, there was a clip, uh, who was Gonzaga playing? Tech? Yeah, Tech. Where there's kept showing Fuse wife. Mm Mm-hmm. And they did the same thing with Coach Hayes' wife. They do the same thing with, like, Izzo's wife. Like, it looks like they're going to have a heart attack. Yeah. Like, it's – because, you know, and even Izzo said after the game, like, you know, it's hard on my family. Like, this is not an easy life to lead. Like, it is with money and fame and everything. But, like, just our family relationships. They don't see me much for six months. Then they come to these games where they know a lot in the line. It means a lot to me. And they're living and dying with it. I mean, it looked like Mark Few's wife was going to have a heart attack. She's, I mean, she looks like she could run a marathon. I don't know if you've ever seen her. They're outdoor, not, no, they're outdoors people. They live on I mean, 30 they, acres. They are skinny and ready to run. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Ease. Ease.com. You use the promo code HAM at Ease and it gets you good stuff. Ease is the best delivery platform to get the best legal license and fully tested marijuana products delivered to you in California. Anyone 21 and over can get verified online in minutes. You browse a vast selection of the best brands, and then you watch the clock count down. A friendly driver delivers in minutes, not hours, it, not days. No, I mean, guy, legitimately minutes. They will be at your pad again in minutes. Uh, I did it. Uh, my last delivery a couple weeks ago was here, I think, in 15 minutes. We've all ordered food. You know, I mean, sometimes like, oh, my God, is this an hour and a half delivery? What is going on? Uh, and the great part about Ease, guy, you can get pre-rolls. You can get vapes, my favorite. You can get topicals. You can get edibles. They, they really got something for everyone. And if you use our promo code, HAM, H-A-M, you get $20 off your first purchase. Anything over $50 this is the key. Free delivery. I love a good free delivery. And again, like you said, in minutes, to your house. Promo code HAM. Promo code HAM. If, you've already, if you're already an Ease user, that's awesome. If you've used the promo code, then obviously if you're already a user, you can't use it. But share it with somebody else. Help them get in on the act. Uh, E-A-Z-E dot com promo code ham uh, and when you sign up even if it's not in your area then you'll get alerted when it is in your area what I, I have, see you I, grinning I have NFL Network on right now yeah and it's just a press conference with Baker Odell Jarvis and Miles Garrett 
kind of want to go turn my TV on real quick. Yeah, I mean, it just Odell's. You know, they're all wearing like Cleveland Browns polos. It's first day of OTAs. Should I? Is it is it like a press conference? They carrying the whole thing? I mean, it's just it's going right now. Oh, okay. Hold on, I'm getting my remote, John. Just keep. uh, I'll I'll break it down. Yeah, you know, Odell's wearing a V-neck. He's got a. uh, He's got a. Got a sports coat on. He looks happy. You know, he looks. Odell looks happy and you know, kind of just fired up to be Brown. Oh, all right. Um. Okay. Should we let's start with the NCAA tournament? We gotta get, yes. we gotta get some Raiders, some Niners, Bryce Harper golf. A lot going on actually. Um, there have been some incredible games in this tournament. Duke has been involved in most of them. What what the Final Four is now set. There's a bunch of different stuff we can talk about. What is the headline of the Final Four? Is it that Zion is not in it to you, or that the team that you bet on, one of the teams you bet on, still is? Yeah, betting on futures is pretty fun if you bet the right team. <laughs> You know, I mean, Kentucky going out was a pretty big deal. Uh, I had Michigan State. And once Kentucky went out, I'm like, ah, the likelihood Michigan State is going to beat Duke. And then I didn't wasn't able to watch the first half, and I flip it on, and it's 34-30. to 30. I'm like, God damn, Michigan State's playing well. Yeah. And you could just see, like, they were up for the task. Now, there were points and times in the second half, you're like, ah, oh, they're going to lose. I actually tweeted out it was over. And, you know, it's classic right uh colding you know freezing takes or whatever takes it off and like that didn't age well for a million people again i want michigan state to win it was a great reverse jinx but zion was as remarkable of a freshman as i've ever seen just pure enjoyment and fun to watch and who truly gave a shit like just always felt like he was playing hard say one thing for lebron I remember watching LeBron in high school. It just felt like he was flying around. Like, he tried really hard. You know, they're Melo, probably the most accomplished freshman of all time, right? Number one recruit, goes to college, wins a natty. But he was just like, my favorite player on that Melo team was Jerry McNamara, who now is like one of Bayheim's guys. I, I, I like Jerry McNamara more. Warwick had the big play. Uh, the Brow had, you know, a pretty unreal freshman year, led him to a national championship. I, I just think Zion being out sucks, but the, it's the craziest part of the tournament. Not the craziest part, but just the nature of the tournament. Once you get to the Elite Eight in a field that just played out pretty chalky, like Gonzaga played Texas Tech. You know what's underrated about Texas Tech? They won the fucking Big 12. Like, they were really good. Well, and they've got one of the best coaches in the country and a lottery pick on their team, Jarrett Culver. Well, and watching, like, Purdue play Virginia. You know what it turns out about Purdue this year? They're really fucking good. So, like, once you get to the Elite Eight, like Michigan State-Duke, it, it was just – it was an incredible – I thought the Elite Eight was elite. I mean, I, I thought it was just awesome. Yeah, and I didn't feel like – I don't – a lot of people today, and I get it, and it's – there probably is some truth to the, hey, veteran teams beat young teams, and that's just how it's usually going to be. And that is usually how it is. I think the highest scoring freshman I heard somebody say left in the Final Four is a six-point-per-game guy. Like, that's the, the most prolific scoring freshman on the last four teams is a guy that averages six points per game. You know, Auburn doesn't have one. Auburn, uh, Chumo Kiki is a sophomore, the guy that's hurt. You know he's the guy that got Chuck Person in trouble? Yes. Yeah. Um, but, like, they're really, like, these are veteran teams. I don't think Duke Which kind of sucks. Like, Chuck Person, who was on the last Elite Eight team with Barkley, who's a big part of that program, probably the second most famous player ever, Being is, like, dying sword. for these sins. Yeah. Um, I... I I, uh, 
like Duke lost, did Duke lose because they were young? I mean, Duke won two games that were like thin margins. They won them. The type of game that you say a veteran, if Duke was a veteran team, that's what we'd be saying. It's like, oh, a veteran team, they beat UCF and they survived Virginia Tech. Um, it's funny, both those teams had to miss shots for Duke to win. But I just think they got beat because the team that beat them is also really good, not because Duke is best players are freshmen. But they, they were somewhat, fl- like the knock on Duke was yeah, a and they were shooting you're team. Right, you're right, and they were flawed. So I'm not saying if they were a veteran team, it wouldn't have. How about the guy who started in place of uh, Cam Reddish? Got like two minutes. Oh, you probably you didn't see the beginning of the game. But did Cam Reddish played in the game? Yeah, right? yeah. He just came off the bench like two minutes into the game. Because he missed the Michigan or he missed the Virginia Tech game. Did Correct. not play. Didn't dress. Yeah. Um, for me, like for if Virginia, I know the coach Cal not winning is a big story, and it should be, but like the guys had prolific success. The best coaches in college basketball. Some of them only have one championship. If I had to bet, I would bet John Calipari will win another title. But 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 I would say for that though, guy, if you like to me, Coach K, Stephen A today had some rant like this season was a disappointment for Duke. It's like yeah, Stephen, that's not a hot take. That's just yeah. Anytime you have Zion, uh, not winning, not get, I wouldn't say winning the national championship, but not making the Final Four is a letdown. To me, Kentucky, a little bit of a different team this year. Like they they weren't even a number one seed. To me, the part that stings for Cal, and we don't quite I think grasp this out here, and you wouldn't grasp this in the Northeast. But if you live in the South, like the SEC is a big deal. They lost to an SEC team who had just lost the dude they paid like two hundred thousand dollars to come to school to a torn ACL, and you lost to them. Now you called some of their games. Like they they're probably the hottest team in the tournament. Like they were just playing. Fucking remarkably. They, there was a stat yesterday on TV. Maybe I saw it on Twitter. Of the three teams they just beat, the if you add up all their tournament wins in the history of the program, it's like 350 wins. Kansas, North Carolina, Kentucky. Like, wow. that's the last three teams they beat. If you think college basketball right now and close your eyes, the probably if, if we had to name five teams, three of the five you're going to name are going to be Kansas, Kentucky, and North Carolina, right? Right. I'd say the first four would be Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky. Those would just probably be the four. And UCLA fifth. Yeah. <laughs> Back in 1978. But they just beat those teams. So say what you want about them. They got something pretty special going. And their coaches, that tweet, that I mean, you got some of the video. He's pretty, he's just kind of a lightning rod. But Cal, to me, is like, it's weird. Because Coach K is the most famous but Cal's the most polarized, and Coach K is the most accomplished, and even Roy's more accomplished than Cal. But Cal's the most just polarizing, moves the needle. Like you just say, Cal Perry, everyone kind of has an opinion. He's, he's the most. He's the most out front. He's good for their sport. Like he's. They yeah, need I him. think it's better. Like they should hope that he doesn't go to the NBA. But I guess at the end of the day, I I was only able to listen to the second half in the car. I mean, they weren't making shots. Their best player, who is damn good, is coming off a major foot injury. Now he was playing well, P.J. Washington. Right. You know, I, I think the knock was like, where, do, where else do they get their scoring? The problem is when you feed P.J. Washington, I'm, I'm not John Wooden here, but Reed Travis is also kind of a low-post player. So if, if you're featuring P.J. Washington, it kind of takes Reed Travis out of it. Because I thought early in the tournament, when P.J. wasn't playing, they were a little more balanced because they'd feed Reed, and he could fucking bang in the post. But then he'd also kick out 
Like it's hard to play two bigs in just modern style well, if, basketball. Yeah, but PJ had twenty eight. So if they they did, but you're right, they didn't hit threes. He didn't make many free throws. PJ, I just they were saying in the broadcast, listen to it on the. I mean, he kept missing free throws because he kept getting fouled. Yeah, he was six of eleven. No, I, I mean, I don't think he's now. I, now, to your shooter, point, but. the Okiki injury. I mean, Auburn has been playing so well, and they play so hard, and they are talented, and. They finished fourth in the SEC, and Kentucky finished second in the SEC. It's not like Kentucky won the SEC by ten games or four games, and they played. This is the third time they've played. And did Kentucky did Kentucky win the SEC? No, Tennessee won the regular season. Remember? And yeah, then and then Auburn, Auburn won, the, won the yeah. championship. Yeah. So uh, you know, like I, I yeah, I, I understand why they're mad about it. I don't look at it the same way, but of course I don't. I I, I do think. The best part of the Virginia Purdue game. Can we talk about was, this? Was that little point guard for oh Purdue had the be, had the best NCAA tournament game I think I've ever seen. Oh my god, he was inc- he would look like Steph Curry meets D Rose because he could shoot and he could drive and he was like a little pinball. He didn't deserve to lose, and and the way the game ended, he had a really bad turnover. Oh. It was like God, he didn't deserve that. He All was right. too, and you could tell that Tony Bennett grabbed him after the game. I, I I tried to read his lips. He had to be saying like, "Bro, that's the best game I've ever coached against." I mean, that was he was unstoppable. Well, it's the thing, right? It's it's like the the thing that beats Virginia is if somebody gets unconscious from three, and somebody did, and they still won the game. Carson Edwards is his name. He had ten threes. Tyler Eifert's brother is like this gritty white guy. It's like a former walk on. Grady Eifert. <laughs> Grady. Who do you know that Eifert's dad? I think was on the last like Elite Eight team for Purdue with Gene no, Cady in the eighties. Tyler wasn't there in the Elite Eight game, but he was there for the Sweet Sixteen set with his dad. Like his dad's huge too. Like, I think his dad's Tyler taller than Tyler. That's a pretty good genetics. You you said this, you tweeted this, and you're so right. The tap out was crazy at the end of regulation, but the pass, not the physical pass, because that was difficult too. That pass was like a forty five foot pass, one hand one on arm. money. Right? <laughs> not just that, but as I'm watching it, it's I don't know about you. As I'm watching it unfold, it was not on my radar that he was going to pass the ball. Like, I didn't think he had time to do anything but try and collect, maybe get one more dribble, and try and line up a half-court shot. And then uh, as soon as he passed it, I thought, oh, my God, there's time for this. When you rewatch it, I think it's fair to say that the majority of players in pro or college – heave that up somewhere from half court just because of the time I felt immediately when it got into tall Cisco's hand I mean that guy what, what's going on with that guy's dyed hair I, but it's, it makes him unique and he's he was good I mean he had to tip out and then he scored right when it left his hand you could tell it was going in that's what was cool it was like oh my god well I John because it was it floated perfectly I've been to a million practices where coaches do like game like End of game situations, score situations, but I think we saw it in the Virginia Tech game. I don't think, and it's natural for a player. I, if I'm a coach, I'm putting five tenths of a second, half a second, or four tenths, which is the long, which what you need. I'm putting that on the clock just so my players can know how long that is. Like, how much time do you really have? Because for that point guard, Kihei Clark, not to panic and understand that he had enough time to make a pass is so incredible. Now maybe he looked at the clock too. But if I looked up and saw two, what was it, like 2.7 when he passed the ball maybe? Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me it was just like a, 
an Aaron Rodgers level. Dart. Oh my god! And that's the other thing. It's like how big is the guy? Like I didn't think physically. Kihei Clark. He looks like he's five ten, five nine. You know what it shows you too. And I thought about this five, once, nine, they won, once they won in a, once they won in overtime. And it just, I, I, you know, this is what's great about sports, and usually the way this plays out, like you got to go through the lowest of lows to reach the highest of highs. Like, guy, they lost to a fucking 16 seed last year, and they've had some pretty devastating just losses over historically to get the monkey out their back like that. Yeah, I keep thinking if they know, win, I'm it. on the edge of my seat. What are these coaches thinking? I mean, they're hard, how are they not have a heart attack? I know. Well, you see how much they I, sweat. It's a, it's partly it's understandable. It just it was incredible. How about the out of bounds play that Izzo drew up at the end of the game to oh. get him going like that, knowing that more than likely they're going to overplay the left side, thinking we're just going to try to get it in so you can foul. No, we're going to get a play where I think I'm going to get some green grass or some open court and just be able to dribble it out. Like clearly they knew that was a play they thought they could get him just kind of free and just waste some time and get a clean pass. Because he was overplaying him to go toward his own basket, or their, you know, their basket. Because that's usually what teams do. You just try to run them around, get them open. Their play, I like guess. We don't think a lot with basketball about X's nose, but I, I, I think it's underrated how much you know. Because you talk to these coaches, like they are kind of like geeky, like football wise. Well, yeah. With the out of bounds plays of them, or like the blob and the slob, John. What's the blob and the slob? Blob is baseline out of bounds and slob is sideline out of bounds, right? Well, because a baseline out of bounds it's tough. It's really hard because you don't have that much room. There was a play, and I think the good analysts will go, this is going to be really challenging, and you see a lot of steals that way because there's not much room, especially when you're kind of near the sideline, you know, like not under the basket, but they put you near the kind of closer to the bench. Yeah. That's a terrible – would well, you say that's the worst angle? <laughs> In yeah, basketball. yeah. I think being on the sideline, being on the baseline is tough. Both of them are tough. Yeah, that corner. But just think about it. Like the final score was sixty-eight, sixty-seven. So how many real opportunities as a coach do you have to draw up? You can call in plays, but when you draw up a play, that's where your wins above replacement comes in. Right? Well, he drew up. The, Izzo drew up the play to get that kid a three. Yeah, that's yes. Um, because to me the. The Bennett one was luck met. Like I do give the coach credit. Their guys were pretty under control. The Cisco guy to have the presence of mind to tip it. The point guard to not have a heart attack and heave it. Like that's to me that's six months and those guys are older players. Years of being in the program, getting that hammered home. Because wouldn't you say you talk to a lot of people in college basketball? They go to the mat for Tony Bennett. Like they think he is as good as a guest. Just a coach, a guy. He's kind of like – he's like Izzo type, but it's just not as accomplished because he's never done it. But they all – I've never read a bad thing about him. And I, I, he's always been defended when he's gotten knocked out. Like, I'm telling you, it's gonna, he's going to get it one day. Yeah. And now it kind of feels like the way it's shaping up to be, if I had to guess, Michigan State-Virginia is going to be our championship game. And just – that's a pretty good championship game. I mean, it's not great for the eyes, but it's a good – Yeah. And Texas Tech's pretty crazy. I mean, this team – this program has been to back-to-back NCAA tournaments – not Elite Eights, okay? Gonzaga's been to five straight Sweet 16s. Auburn's been to back-to-back tournaments. This is the fourth time they've been to back-to-back tournaments. Tech or Auburn? Did I say Auburn? Tech. Well, Auburn, too. I mean, they, Yeah, Auburn, same <laughs> deal. This is the first Final Four they've ever been to. I, watching Tech, and again, I didn't watch them at all, all season. 
they are good. You know, that's one of the things. That's the problem when you pick the tournament. By the time you get to the Elite Eight, if you filled out a bracket or whatever, I had no clue that Purdue and Tech were that good. Like I would, I, I didn't give them the respect because I just didn't know. I don't watch them play. I just think, oh, Kansas is the best team. Well, actually, Kansas was not the best team this year in that conference. Purdue won for the first the time in 14 years. Yeah. You know, and per, did Purdue win the Big Ten? Purdue won the league. Tied, tied with Michigan State. And then Michigan State won the conference tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the right, to me, the right conferences are represented, right? The Big Ten is represented, as they should be. The ACC was too good not to get a team in this year. The SEC is, has it been announced today that Buzz Williams has taken the job? I, I haven't read it, but it, everyone feels like Buzz Williams is going to a and I haven't seen that as we're, uh, he drew up a great play at the end of his game. Fuck yeah, you guy. I mean, like, it was, that, that you realize too, like, how do you miss it? That is really hard to be the That's what I'm saying. That's that. the play I'm talking about. I think he didn't know how long half a second was. And he felt like he just had to tap it when he had time to catch it and put it in the basket. Yeah. So. Or even did a lot. He probably didn't even need to fade. He could have jumped straight up and probably dunked it, you know? I think he was afraid to dunk it because I thought he, he didn't think he had that much time to dunk it. But he did. You're right. That game kind of gets forgotten about. Totally. <laughs> I completely forgot about it until you just brought it up. Uh, I, I think the tournament, rough first Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because there weren't many crazy games. The last four days have been good. Yeah. Like they, again. And the I give right you credit. Teams, you said at the beginning of the tournament, like this one, just sometimes the second weekend is better. And it was. Well, just be, to me, when it's a really top heavy year, like it was clear the top 15 teams were so much. Some years, like, God, I don't even know. This year was like. Texas Tech ain't losing a lot of these random teams. So, the, like, the three and four and five seeds, like, look at yesterday. It was just one versus twos, one versus threes, two versus th- two. You know, it's just that's how you want it. And that's how it played out. That's why Middlecoff's rooting for Michigan State. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you uh, for different reasons. All right, uh, on to some NFL stuff. We talked about this possibility last week. The You retweeted it this morning, Monday morning. Gil Brandt tweeted not only are Kyler Murray, not only is Kyler Murray working out for the Raiders, but his dad was his dad and the receivers and somebody else were just standing on the field for an hour and a half because Kyler and Gruden are still on the whiteboard. I don't know if they're on the field yet. I'll go back and check Gill's tweet, but I'd, um, I'd imagine they are. I, I saw a picture earlier today. It was the Raiders tweeted out. I think Gruden brought Tim Brown with him. Tim took a picture with Kyler Murray, and it just said like Heisman's. I mean, the Raiders are not treating this like uh, going through the motions. Well, I, I talked to someone three or four days ago, uh, a high-up executive, and I asked, is Kyler or Haskins? And he's like, for me, it's not even close. I think Kyler, I, he didn't, he, not that he was anti-Haskins, he just thinks Kyler is an elite talent and Haskins is a solid player. Like, you know, a first-round quarterback, but... And I think the more you kind of read about it, there is kind of Kyler, and then there's then there's a drop-off, then there's Haskins, then there's everyone else. So, to me, the Raiders, and Gruden said this, or I mean, Mayock said this at the, at what, the owners' meetings? Like, they're doing their due diligence, but they're also working out, a private workout, the number one quarterback by a mile in this class. So that, and they have, I don't know, going into a draft, a historic amount of draft capital. I mean, they got pick four, they got pick 24, they got pick 27, pick 35. Like, going into a draft as we sit on April 1, 
I would imagine that's a record of draft capital in the top 35 picks. Now, it's happened before where teams have got three first-rounders because they've traded in on draft day, but before the draft, don't you think? Like, I, I don't, off the top of my head, and I've been following the draft my whole fucking life. That's crazy. Yeah. It, it's stupid of what they got. You could argue, like, they don't even need. Like, it's just like, now they're so bad. But, like, they do have a lot of options. You know, for some reason, and I talked to someone kind of in the know, he's like, it's actually kind of weird that they haven't already traded Rosen. Because a lot of people in the league thought it was like it was a done deal. Uh-huh. Not they didn't know necessarily know where, but that just it's kind of a weird deal because they're not going to wait to the draft because he does have to show up and report here. I think they start working out next week, and they'd like to get it done before. You're not going to make the guy show up. And hell, does Josh even show up? It's kind of in a weird spot. I think you do. I think you do too because there's usually a bonus involved. Well, there's that, but, and I'm also just watching the I'm watching this quarterback work out with another team who's not that on the possibility that the Raiders somehow trade for him. Now, did you see the, did you they see might the Raiders trade Derek, tweet? It just but, says just Heisman stuff. If you said this, the Cardinals were open to keeping Rosen and trading the number one pick, and Gruden's like, I want Kyler Murray. What would be enough? Four, well, 24, and 35? Would you do that? I need... That is two ones, technically. One of them's a swap. And I, a sweet second-round pick. I feel like I'd still need... A, I've got the number one pick, and it's a quarterback that I know you want. And if the league knows that this guy's available, I don't think you're the only team that's going to try and get him. So I think I would need another... I would need, like... Well, again, it, it's like the law. It's on precedent. So you go, okay, when's the last big trade? I would trade? need another first. Not you need. go, Howie traded 8-2 to two to get Carson Wentz, and this was before the draft, remember? They got the second pick not on draft night. They got it, like, right around this time. I think he gave up two ones and a two. And when I say two ones, one of that's a swap. So that's, What was the other one? Like his next year's one. Right. Where this is, they, I know this one is what? twenty. Well, you said 24? Yeah. And they, I think that, that one, they ended up going 7-9, and nine, Carson's rookie year. So it turned out to be like, I don't know, like 16 or Would 15. Would you rather have 24 or the Raiders 2021? 20, I'd rather have the Raiders first round pick next year. But you, you could go, well, if you get Kyle, like, nah. Give me the picks I want right now. In a draft that you know... I, I do think four, twenty-four, and thirty-five is a lot, guy. That's four, so you could still that means Kyler's going one, you're still gonna get a sweet defensive player. You're gonna get another starter at twenty-four, and then that thirty-five is always valued really high. That's not you agree, that's not nothing. No, it's not nothing. I, I it's I a, think to it, me that's a legitimate offer. That's not like an insult. Like that would you could you could ask for more, but you could also look at each other and be like, this is a pretty good offer. As, yeah, I mean, to me, it's Cause, not cause a guy, level when, of when offer. Do teams that, get, when do teams get three first-rounders? Well, when, when I'm going from four to one. To me, it's not a level of offer that would... If I like Kyler Murray, it's not a good enough offer to get him. But if I don't... If he's not my guy, then it's a, it's an offer I'd consider. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a good enough offer for me to give you a player that I want. at that A quarterback that I want. But you can make the case, no, if you want a quarterback, there's no offers good enough to get that guy. Right. Yes. Like, there's degrees of but, liking But it's player. also just based on, like, 
you don't give up four first rounders if you don't have to, right? Yeah, I'm just saying if if Cliff Kingsbury thinks Kyler Murray is the quarterback of the future for him, there's no could you if you offered him five firsts, he should say no to that. Yeah, to, to me, if they think he's the guy of the future, then it just Kentucky has offered John Calipari a lifetime contract. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought it was like God, he's going to UCLA. Is that? To me, if they're hell bent on having him, then it's not even an option. Now, maybe they play him a little bit and just let's just see what we get. But if he's your guy, he's your guy, and it's not going to get traded. So, could you get a better offer than four twenty four and thirty five? Is that right? Is that those are the correct numbers? Say, uh, yeah, four twenty four thirty five. Yeah, I'm just using their best first rounder out of the two in the twenties. Right. So, if that's the offer, is there another? team that would want Kyler. Oh, what if it was 42435 and Derek? To me that's a lot to give up. It is, but aren't I like I'm not giving you Derek's worth a second, so I'm not giving you 35 to get Derek. Okay. Which would you rather have? Well, I guess then it depends if you like Derek if you're the Cardinals. Cuz I think rather. if you're if you're the Raiders, you can justify it go, well, if we're trading for Kyler, let's say you're doing the deal. And I'm giving you four twenty-four and thirty-five. We'll get our second. Derek, I'll trade Derek to the Giants or something. And I actually move up in the second round. I think their their second's worse than thirty-five. I think it's like thirty-eight. Oh, they flip it. But I'm just saying, like you could do that. That'd be such an easy one to stomach if you're the Raiders. If you go, basically, all this is costing us is twenty-four. Exactly. But again, like the way everyone talks about it in the know. He's their guy, and if he's their guy, and you think he's the next more accurate Michael Vick, he's untradeable. Like you, you, he's worth more to you than any amount of picks, right? To me, it's just that simple. You just take Kyler Murray. But this is a business. You do have to. You're not. This is the defense of not rushing it. <laughs> let's just let's just play out every scenario, right? Like, what if the Raiders would give you some Godfather offer? We'll give you four, 24, 35, and a next year's one. You're like, God, Falcon Rosen ain't that bad. Because you do have Josh Rosen, and there is a chance that they think Josh can be a good starter. And you can just build a sweet team. Like, they, they won a lot with Carson Palmer. Now, Carson Palmer, once upon a time, a number one overall pick, elite player. But he was never quite the same after the – like, when, when he went to the Cardinals, he was a really good player – but you'd agree he was never considered like a top five quarterback at any time with the Cardinals. But he was a good, really good quarterback. He right. was like, what would you say, probably six to eleven, somewhere in that range, give or take. Yeah. He'd have some moments where he'd, you know, have like a month where he was one of the best quarterbacks in the in the league. But you never, I never looked at him even when he was humming with Bruce. Like, he's not Rodgers or Brady or Roethlisberger or anything. Do, do you think Gruden went into this meeting? Like, I think one thing. It just finished. Gil tweeted. Okay. Um. Like, John has done this forever, right? Like, John, part of his life has been just getting to talk to all the elite quarterbacks. So if you wanted to make the case that this doesn't mean anything, I think you could make that case. But the thing you just, to me, John Gruden, not that, remember we were talking about this the other day, who's going to watch these other players? Is it assistant coaches or head coaches? Like, John Gruden is the one doing the workout. Like, that's different than your offensive coordinator doing the workout. Well, Gil tweeted... It's Gruden, Olsen, like that. They sent their guys. I mean, they sent their head coach, who's in charge, with his offensive coordinator, and I'm sure Mayock is there. 
Maybe Mayock didn't. Uh, John Gruden and Mike Mayock had dinner with Kyler Murray at the steakhouse. Yeah, so <clears throat> I, I also think, though, guy, when you're drafting that high, it's pretty normal to work out the top guys. When you're drafting in the top five, you work out the top five players. That's if they worked out Joey Bo, you know, or Nick Bosa tomorrow. Like that's pretty normal, just protocol. Yeah. Now I, I just think it's a little different because we go, is Derek really a made guy? Like, because right. I do think when you throw out the scenario, if John could get Kyler, would he? And I think it's fair to say yes. Now I think we both agree that he's not even going to have that opportunity. Beside maybe make an offer. I remember when Philly, we made a huge offer for RG3 to try to trade up. We just didn't, we couldn't get there. Now it's different. It's much easier for him to get there. But if you really want RG3 or you really want Kyler Murray, you can't offer me enough. No number. And you're, and you're going to get to the point like you're not going to offer him nine first rounders, right? You're not going to make some offer. Like if, if the Raiders offered the Cardinals nine first rounders, I'm just being beyond over the top unrealistic. They would say yes to that. Even right? if they, what if they think Kyler Murray is the next great NFL quarterback? Would you turn down nine first rounders? If I'm convinced he's the next great quarterback, like it's I, insane. I would... It's like the value is no one can be. The real answer, right, is no one can be that convinced he's that great. Like, would the Colts have done the right thing if they had traded? You turned down nine first rounders for a five nine guy. Well, here's and I like Kyler Murray. Yeah, right. You so would the, again? This is an over the top. Scenario. Would the Colts have been wrong to trade the the right to draft Andrew Luck for nine first round picks? Okay, let, nine's beyond crazy. Well, well I know, say, but that's the point let's here. Say, let's say six. How crazy does it need to be to turn let's down a franchise quarterback? Because they got three this year, five, two next year. That's five, and then the next year, so six first round. How crazy does it need to be? To turn down what you if if you know he's a franchise quarterback, I I think I would do the trade for six. So if you had Andrew Luck, knowing what you know now, the Colts should have traded him for six first rounders. No, I because I think Andrew Luck is better than Kyler Murray. I, no, I understand. I'm saying though, in the mindset of the team that's drafting, if you if your core we believe so I would strongly, do, I would do six for Kyler Murray. I would not do it for Andrew Luck. Meaning, if I was the Cardinals and you offered me six, meaning you offered me one, twenty four, twenty seven. Your next year's one and the Bears one and then a following year's one. Right. I would do that deal. Would right. You but do that's that? yes. Would you but, do that deal uh, for of, Kyler Murray? For of Kyler, course. Of course. Not for Andrew Luck. If Andrew Luck was in this draft, but, but, I'd say no. but this is all dependent on what you think of the guy. But I think Kyler's going to be a pretty good player. But I, that's just too much. That's if, crazy. if I tell you in ten years Kyler has been a Pro Bowler eight times, like if I tell you he's he's a better version of Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. He's been to three conference championship games in the next ten years. Would you do that if you were the Raiders? If he's the next Russell Wilson? Like, how much better is Russell Wilson took, than Derek? Took Russell a few years to become Russell, but... But, but if once he became... Yeah, he I mean, became, I think it, it challenges the, the, the idea of a franchise quarterback is, is priceless. Right? But it's again, priceless. there's really... Like, Russell's a top four or five quarterback. Like, so is Luck. There's to, only... Today. Like, Roethlisberger isn't even anymore. No, right? but, now he but was, Russell... Russell is today in part because he played on teams that were really well built. Which yeah, but you could justify for the Raiders like we signed a bunch of good free agents. That's yeah, given up a lot. But, and I'm kind of playing devil's advocate to myself here. Like part of Russell getting to the point where he became Russell was winning at the level he won when he didn't have to be the guy. 
And this goes yeah. back to if Aaron yeah, Rodgers had been drafted by the Browns, still sucks. this is part of the, like, if Aaron Rodgers had been drafted by the Browns, would he have become Aaron Rodgers? If I put you on a team with nothing around you because I gave up so much to get you, do you still become, the, you know, if I can't put an offensive line around you because I traded five picks, will you still become the guy? You could argue how much better would Derek be if he had got to a better run team immediately. Well, right? if he had backed up uh, Alex Smith on the Chiefs for two years. Or three like years. The, Chiefs, the Chiefs had drafted him three, you know, when he was a rookie. He had been Derek. He had been Alex's backup for two years. Would Derek be a much better player? I would now? have to imagine that he would. <laughs> yes, be a superior it's, player. It's not a normal organization, right? They've moved three times. Uh, they've had how many coaches? Derek had six. Uh, yeah. Dennis Allen, Tony Soprano, Jack Gruden. So you had four. He's been in the league what six years, five years? Yeah. He hasn't been around that long. Um, speaking of picks, John, I, I don't think you've heard this because I think it just came out, but Kyle Shanahan was on Adam Schefter's podcast, as our friend Whitey Gleason likes to say, podcast, and, um, said that, who, uh, wait, sorry, say, who Kyle was on the podcast? Sh- so Kyle Shanahan was on Adam Schefter's podcast. <clears throat> okay, gotcha. Um, and uh, I think he said uh, they have not – no one has offered them anything for the second pick in the draft yet, which makes sense, right? Um, yeah. I'm happy with the guys that we will take at number two. It's not like you're going out there trying to facilitate a trade or make it happen, but if people call you and they want something bad enough, you'll always sit there and listen. The opposite of that is John Lynch. We know what the Giants would have wanted – for Odell Beckham, John Lynch went on KNBR last week and said it was going to take the second overall pick, and we didn't do it. Ultimately, the Browns traded 17, and I just watched, thanks to you, a press conference. It looked, you know, it looked like an NBA press conference. It did. It, it's weird to have an introductory press conference where three of the four guys in the press conference are already on the team. Like it wasn't like here's three new free agents. It was here's one guy and three other guys that were already here. Well, guy, think about the th- four guys in the press conference was Odell, their rock star, their number one overall quarterback, their number one overall defensive end, and their free agent. And a former second rounder who's Jarvis, who is Odell's best friend. So it's really unique. Yeah, it's just I, I don't think you would have seen that situation many places. They right? are pretty uniquely set up to make Odell happy. Because why would you not it makes sense to me if you're them to send Baker and Miles up with those two. Because I bet at first Odell's like, I want Jarvis to be there. And then Baker's like, I'm going to be there too. They're going to bring the quarterback. And Miles' like, well, fuck, I'm here. I'm the best player on this goddamn team. Well, those you guys would have been in the back of the room anyway, right? Ideally. Yeah, I. you're right. It was very NBA-ish. Honestly, I don't even know if you'd see four guys in an NBA. I mean, that was pretty – kind of felt a little like heat-ish. Right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> guys are carrying themselves like they're about to win a championship. Yeah. A lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on that squad, guy. Well, and there's because because Odell's so good, which puts pressure on the 49ers. Like what they do at two, will we in five years be looking back at whoever they draft two and say, if that guy doesn't work out, you could have had Odell Beckham. Okay, let's do this. Let's flip it. Let's say the Niners. <clears throat> that was a Niners press conference right there, and they had just gone seven and nine and flipped seventeen, Kwaski Tart in their third round pick. We would have applauded. We'd be like, that was the easiest trade they ever made. And we would have been like, God, the Browns did not trade pick two. That's understandable. Because I said I would have done it. But I do get, and I said this back when it kind of felt like it might happen. Not that it might happen, that I would do it. Because it always felt like they wanted to flip. They weren't just going to give it up. They didn't, 
if you look back on the last, like, at least the modern era of football, I think it happened more in, like, the 80s where you would trade the draft for a player. Like, Ditka was one of the last to trade his whole draft for, like, Ricky Williams. <laughs> it's un- Now, he was a rookie, right? To me, it's unprecedented to trade a top five pick for a player. Like, that's pretty nuts. Sometimes it works out that way. Remember when the Rams traded, like, multiple ones of the Titans and then they sucked really bad? And then the following year, the Titans were like eight and eight, had like the fifth overall pick, but they didn't have the fifth overall pick when they traded for that pick, you know, or the you know traded for Goff. And again, Goff was not a, an in the NFL player. Like, how many players in the NFL, and I, we could probably count on one hand, would you even entertain just straight up number two for the player? Mac, Donald, DeAndre. I mean, it's a short list, right? I would entertain it for Odell, but I think we've talked about this before. I'd, I'd, I'd take DeAndre Hopkins over Odell because he's a more consistent human. You know, he's just a little less drama. Yeah, no, we agree on that. And um, I think Mike Evans, would you do Mike Evans straight up for number two overall? Probably. He's 26, he's yeah. 6'4", he fucking like dominates, if I would, and he's no drama. Yeah. Would you do... You know, I don't know. There's not many players. <laughs> See? Like Roquan Smith, would you do that if you were the Niners right no. now? Do you're in? No. Probably not. No, he's pretty good though. He is. You said Khalil Mack. Yeah, to me, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald—it's a tiny. Like you wouldn't do it for Clowney, right? You wouldn't do it for who are other good players. You know, like the Chiefs. Chris Jones is a really good player. I wouldn't do that. There just aren't there aren't that many guys. Probably less than five or six. So will the this goes back to it though? Like, will the player they draft be compared to Odell Beckham Jr. every step of the way? Well, on this podcast, yeah, yes. I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time. I don't know that it will hang over John Lynch's head, but I think what'll hang over his head more of is just if the player he drafts it to isn't a great player. But I also think the elephant in the room also is what if their receivers are god awful? You know, what if one of the problems next year they're well, eight and yeah. eight, and it's just. Nick Bosa, keep. I want to call him Joey so bad. I do it all Nick's, the time. I'm not Nick's, helping. Nick's fine. He's solid. He's better than Solomon Thomas, but he's not. Doesn't looks good, but the receiving core is just terrible. I mean, just awful. And that's the season ends. They don't make the playoffs. You're like, God, if they just had a goddamn receiver. Like, and again, like, what would we be saying right now if they had just traded straight up number two for Odell Beckham? Be like that's bold, but I like it. We'd support it. Absolutely. I I think when you also, take away the bi- podcast, point. when you take away podcast business as an element in plus or minuses for trades, it's a less Ease. obvious thing to do. Ease dot com promo code ham. Right. <laughs> and once again, next week, my bookie. But 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 I but I do think, guy, it is justifiable. Like it's it not is. it's not that crazy. No, but it's not as if he is a riskless player, right? Well, it, to me, it'd, it'd be very it's it's undeniable that it's extremely risky. Like, like if he if we look back, risky, but an understandable risk. If three years from now Odell has played in almost every game for Cleveland, we look back and say, "Hey, that was not it was not obvious that that stretch of durability was about to occur for him." Right. To me, if he has a three year run where he catches like three hundred three hundred catches and you know, averages nine to ten touchdowns a year, and they make the playoffs multiple times. It was the easiest trade they've made in Browns well, history. Well, but that's and that, that's where I do agree with John Lynch. What he said on Murph and Mac is it was an easier trade for them to do 
But that, we're not. No one would probably argue that. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. Like, I think it, it is an important point here. Like, it's easier. Even it's kind of counterintuitive. If you have less ammo, it's an easier trade to do. But that's what yeah, happened I think here. His overall point was we were. It sucked being shitty to want this player because we didn't have. It didn't line up. I think Jed. Jed, it was two, an overpay Jed, for us. Jed, Jed's two main points at the owners' meetings: one that he he gets fucking tough on a wall, mm. and he he let it fly. Make and sure it, you don't you know, hit a stud. He, he, sometimes Jed, if you just tap on the wall before you swing, you'll find out where the stud is. And he also said that we just didn't align. He even said that. Now again, because that's John and those guys telling him that. But he's he's right. They it was not a great alignment year. Would it have been easier to do last year at pick nine? Even I'd say nine's pretty high. To me, it's it's super easy. Anything outside of the top fifteen, right? If you're like drafting eighteen, like fuck, give me for Odell Beckham. If you have pick like seven or five or two, it's hard because I think when you see a single digit, you think two things: we sucked all year for this pick, especially if you're drafting two, and you go, God damn, our, our quarterback got hurt for this pick. Our quarterback got hurt for this pick. Slash, this is a really good draft of some guys that we need, and let's call it what it is. When you draft a guy at number two overall, if he becomes a great player, a Khalil Mack, an Aaron Donald, even just even not that good, but just like a Chandler Jones or just a real like a Pro Bowl level guy, one of the best deals in the NFL. If you get a Pro Bowler at six seven million, he's not quite Russell Wilson as a rookie, but it's a damn good deal. You'll take a seven million dollar Pro Bowl Pro Bowler at defensive end all day long, right? Yeah. Like, they always say the best deals in the league are when you get an elite player second or third round. That's true. But to me, it's a pretty damn good deal when you nail your top 10 pick. Right. When you swing on 3-0, and which is what a top 10 pick is, and you hit a home run. Yeah. Right. When you t- Like, I'm going to swing on 3-0. and It's like, uh, you hit a single, like, whatever. Hit a home run. When you flush a BP fastball, like, you're doing what you should do. And you just do what you're supposed to do in the draft, you'll get extensions. Brandon Belt's like... You swing on 3-0? Well, you know, Brandon Belt's great curse is that he has a better idea of the strike zone than the umpires. Yeah, that's that's the curse. you gotta, you got to swing the bat. Um, all right, let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you a question, and then you answer the question. We'll determine which thing we talk about next. What's a bigger story? Not what was this weekend, but what's a bigger deal? Tiger's performance at the WGC or Bryce's performance hitting home run, a home run Saturday and a home run Sunday at home? <clears throat> I'd say Bryce. Uh, Tiger's performance, he beat Rory. Him just being on television is a big deal. Like him just playing don't go, on just, Saturday. Don't, don't go too far down this road because we'll talk about him separately. But I, I'd, I'd probably lean Bryce. He's got $330 million. Tiger's right. Tiger's reputation is pretty established. So let's talk about Bryce here. I actually disagree. I would say Tiger because I think big picture, like if Bryce had two more 0 for 4s over the weekend, that would have sucked. That adds pressure. But I still think in the end Bryce is going to hit whatever he's going to hit. Like everything that Tiger does that's great is Tiger showing us like I'm I'm coming back. I'm backer than back. Um now that's well, we've kind of known he's been back for a I know, while. but he just keeps we still until he really wins a major, especially this coming up to the Masters. But we'll get to him. Because I because both are big and there really is not a correct answer. The Bryce thing was amazing because we all know, even though we're not all Phillies fans, you have a connection there. Having lived there and just appreciating the city everybody knows that there's just pressure in that thing. And even if you're a fan, if you wanted him in San Francisco or you wanted him back in Washington or you wanted him in Chicago or whatever, like at the end, him being there for the rest of us 
is cooler than him being in San Diego. And then for them to have the show, and Doug Peterson's there on crutches, shaking his hand, and then he hits a ball. He's not hitting wall. That's the other thing. It's like, oh, my God, this park is going to be so great for him. He's hitting bombs. Bombs. Both upper deckers. Was the second one upper decker? I mean, you, you were sitting there. I mean, how deep was it? It was one of those, as soon as he hit it, the whole, like, the second it happened, everybody knew it was a home run. Right. It wasn't one of those, like, to the wall, it was gone. Did it get pretty loud? It got really loud. It was awesome. Because it was the first one. Because it was the one everybody came to see. Like, that's, you know, it's like. And he crushed it. He swings a golf. He swings a bat the way Tiger used to swing a golf club. I didn't realize. I mean, were you. Rosenthal was part of your crew, right? Yeah. You talked to him? We had dinner the night before. Just you, Ken? No, like it was like eight people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a baseball guy. Just such a good dude. Yeah, I, seems like a such nice, a nice guy. And he, he, asked, he, good he asked, I don't know if you saw it or not. He did, he did Bryce, but then he did JT. And he was like, I got to ask you, what was a cooler moment? You hitting your own home run, which how good is that fucking guy? Well, guy? and Reese Hopkins. I mean, uh, Reese Hoskins. Well, I, I already knew that Reese was sweet, but I didn't quite, again, I don't watch that many Miami Marlins games. Like I knew Reese is, I mean, this guy's like Paul Goldschmidt-ish. You know, he's just, he's a baller. Yeah. I, everyone kept talking like, JT Riamuto, JT Riamuto. Then you're watching and go, this guy is really good. Yeah, because he's not his, he's not just better than all the other catchers. He's just a really good hitter, right? Yeah, he's kind of posy-ish, like, right? Yeah, but at a time when there isn't a Yadi Molina, like when, like when Posey was in his prime, him and Yadi, like you could have a legitimate argument. Posey was better, I think. Yeah. Posey was the better I, offensive player, mm-hmm. clearly. But you could argue, like, there were great catchers. Like, right now, there's not really any great catchers. So well, when you say space. when you say Real Muto's the best catcher, it's like, yeah, okay. Well, he's, like, he's 100 points better last year in OPS than any other catcher. Okay. But he's just really good, period. He's a baller. And Ken asked him, he's like, what was a cooler moment? You hitting your first home run as a Philly or w- sitting on the top of the dugout watching Bryce do it. And he was like, well... I mean, clearly, I hit me hitting a home run, but it was pretty cool to see him. He's like the curtain call was because JT didn't get a curtain call, right? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but and then Bryce has this thing where he's got a handshake with every guy on the team. I I, I just don't see guy how they don't win ninety two plus. I mean, they they to me have a Yankees feel like just their lineup. What'd you think of the uh, the guy that pitched on Saturday, John? The second the second start of the season for them. What's that guy's name? Exactly. <laughs> now they like him, Jake Pavetta. But but it, one thing's clear, and I think the Yankees won 97 games. When your offense is so elite, you're gonna win 90 plus. People, but here's and the it, thing: like, it's cold. Like, how what was the weather like? It was it really was not, warmer I, on Saturday. Saturday was beautiful. It was well, like okay, it was, it was freezing. It looked cold last night. Like it's it's gonna be kind of chilly. You know, in some of these games they play in the NL East, I think. Just but the Nats snap. are really good. The 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 Mets but, aren't bad. I think the Nats lineup is pretty legit. Like they're pretty young. Did they win a game this week? I don't even know. <laughs> no, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they played the Mets, but but yeah, I mean, look, they Brian, did. They they had a walk off yesterday. Oh they. Uh, oh yeah, because Trey Trey Turner hit a home run, right? They the Mets won the opening night because Degrom and Scherzer combined for like twenty million strikeouts, and they won like one nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I, and the Braves are good, and it just looked like the Phillies. Now with Bryce and even JT just are on a different level, right? Did you talk to Josh at all? You see Donaldson? No, I didn't even go to the clubhouse. Does he look normal to you? Again, it's the first week. It's like, God, is he squaring up balls? His hair is longer. Yeah, I don't know. 
But I'm just saying, is, is he not the same player anymore? Clearly, but I don't know. Yeah, they're kind of depending on that guy to be good for him. Right. Like they put a guy on the bench who wasn't bad for him. Yeah. I just, I, I just, I'm just like, I, I'm a Josh guy. I just don't know if he quite has it anymore. But he doesn't have to be like they got. But I'm just saying Acuna to beat that team. Like, how, yeah. I, I just don't see how the Phillies don't win. Well, that the, the, the the Braves are not. To me, they don't pitch well enough, and their offense already isn't as good. But yeah, the Phillies are. There, and then that ballpark, the whole thing, just the whole. What thing. Ro, what Rosenthal think? They're the favorite. Um, I didn't. I didn't ask him. I don't know, but I know a lot of people have picked the Nats because the Nats are deep. You guys do any crush the Giants stock at dinner? Um, no, I don't remember the Giants coming up. Just the conversation was like, just how, like the Bruce Bochies of the world. Because my question was like, Ken, are any guys going to make money? Managers, like if. The manager of a team that's really analytics driven. First of all, that guy's not coming in making three million, right? He's just not. Well, he makes like eight hundred grand, right? Right. So my question is: Is that guy gonna eventually, if they're good, will he eventually make three million, or will management always go like, "Nah, you're replaceable"? Which, by the way, I don't think all these guys are, but you're replaceable, so you're never gonna make. Like, are those guys ever gonna make three million again if you just keep winning? If you're just Five out of t- ten years, you win the division. Are like you if gonna- Dave Roberts, if Dave Roberts wins a championship this year, what's he? Dave's kind of yeah. I mean, it feels like Dave's kind of unique. It feels like Dave. What about Alex Cora? He already just won a World Series. Cora also it feels a little unique, but yeah. Aaron, Aaron Boone. What if Aaron Boone wins Th- it? That's a guy to me that is he ever going to make three million dollars? What if he wins a championship? What's he this making year? though? He might be making good money. No, I think, he, I think he got. I think he got a four year deal, a million a year, basically. Yeah, so and he tr- might eventually make. If they win a championship, I don't think they feel bad paying them. No, right? but I just think teams like, yeah, like are you going to pay? Gir- what was Gir- what was Girardi making? Like five or six? Well, they didn't right? want to pay him anymore. Yeah, and he, and he wanted like seven. So, like, what what would you guess the Giants manager next year makes between eight hundred and one point two something yeah, like not that? More than yeah, not more than not more than the basketball coach at Washington State. Like that he came up that came up specifically at dinner. Like the basketball coach at Washington State, right? A college basketball coach. He's making one point four million. Like he makes more than a big league manager. I see. I think that's somewhat of a problem because your players know that. It's like this guy makes eight hundred grand. Right. Like I make that in a week. Right. I agree. I don't think it's good. Like. Yeah. Well, what does Kapler you think make? A million bucks. And the right to market is. You did you listen to him talk at all or no, meet him? I did not. I actually think he's pretty solid. Like I think he's a numbers guy, but he's also like a guys guy. Yeah, he played. In the he sense played that I, yeah, I think he feels like a lot of people like him. They like, played with him. Who's Joe Madden going to be managing next year? Imagine somebody else probably. Well, did you like. see that Theo said like, "Yeah, we got to be better." Like they've already well, kind of like Johnny's we're not the last be... year of a contract. And he won a World Series a couple. It's years over. Ago. Like, you think gonna... it's over? Yeah, I don't think he's managing that. unless they win the championship. I don't think he's why because they go. He's worth too. He costs too much, and we got to deal with his BS. Yeah. We who's just hire a guy that'll who's do hi- what we want. Who's hiring him, guy? It's a good question. I don't know. Well, B- Melvin makes like four or five. They they gave him a big extension. Well, he's the guy. He's the perfect example of the guy that has just walked the fine line for a while now. Yeah, he earned it. I mean, he's a he three-time manager of the year. Yeah, he was. Well, I think. Would you agree? Him, Cora, probably Dave Roberts. If you had the number one draft pick, like those three guys would. Like, they wouldn't fuck with Joe Madden anymore, My guess right? right now is that Cora would go one. Which would, Bob is, go, would Bob go in the top five for the analytic guys? I don't know. I just, it's hard because I don't know. 
like do, do they would they hire the guy would they recognize the value of bob or would they hire the like is bob i, I think he should would they just like want to hire their would they want to hire like you know what, we'll just sam fold is our guy like, is there a chance that Farhan hires, like, Sam Fold? Yeah, Sam Fold might be the manager of the Giants next year. But you know who I don't think it's going to be? I don't think it's going to be a guy that's looked like he's been in line and managed three and interviewed for three other jobs. Hensley well, I'll Lewis. give you this. Let's say at the end of the season, Joe Madden is fired, Bochy retires. It's safe to say that there is zero chance that Farhan would be interested in Joe Madden, right? I'd be shocked, yeah. Yeah. Even though a lot of Giants fans would be like, why don't we just hire Joe Madden? And I, I would say the same thing because Joe Madden, more than likely, ninety nine percent is going to be better than whoever you hire, right? He's weird, he's quirky, and he's maybe a dick or whatever. I don't know if he's a dick. He's just hard to work with. What, what what's the knock on? I don't know. I mean, I could see like I've always been. I, one thing over time covering sports is I kind of recognize the guy that talks the most isn't always necessarily the guy that seems the most likable in the media isn't always the most likable in a clubhouse. I'll, I'll tell you this: I, I dated an older woman. Dated be strong. We hung out a lot. Yeah, dated. And she had dated a baseball player who had bounced around a little bit and played for Madden for a year, maybe a couple years. Now, again, this guy is not wasn't a stalwart on the team, but was, you know, on the team and despised him and thought a lot of players. Now, again, this guy's a little questionable, his character, not character, but just I'm not putting his judgment like I'm not considering him like Derek Jeter or something, but just thought a lot of players thought he was kind of full of shit. And I think a lot of players, when a guy like that gets so much hype, thinks like it's a little unjust. You know, when a guy's thought about being so smart, just be who you are. Like, why do people like Coach K or Roy Williams? Because they're just pretty authentic, it feels like, right? Well, yeah, could John Calipari coach the way he coaches in the NBA? But But I will say the one thing about Cal is he feels pretty real to his guys. Like, he lights them up. Like, he's just he's no, pretty... Like, Madden's a little passive-aggressive. Well, or... the point I'm making, though, is, like, Joe Madden has... Joe Madden has been the Cubs manager for not that long. But, but he did win a World Series and take another team to the World. Like, he's good, right? He knows what he's doing. Yeah, all I'm saying is 162 games, five years around the same players. What we thought of... You know, just things can... Just things can change. Well, and I, I think... Like, Calipari's hard. roster changes every two years. True. And, and I think that you see it in baseball. Like, the one thing you'd Four say years. about Madden's roster is he's got a star-studded roster. Yeah. Like, it's easier to probably manage that when you're Joe Girardi, when you're Joe Torre, when you're Bochy. They're just Belichick. They're just flatliners. Like, Madden's a little high and low, I think, for a lot of guys. Like, fucking leave me alone, buddy. There's a lot I, going I don't, on. I, yeah. I don't want to throw on this stupid outfit on a plane ride. If we want to do it, we'll do it. But just stop forcing me to do shit to loosen me up. When I know it gets, when I know it gets you, when I know it gets you attention. Exactly, and everyone talks how smart you are. And I also think, though, the elephant in the room is: Does Theo not like it because it takes away from how smart he is? Could be, and it could be as simple as like maybe he doesn't listen to their. Maybe he knows how good he is, and sometimes you go, you know, I don't want to do all the stuff that you want to do. Well, I think one hundred percent he doesn't listen to Theo all the time. That pisses Theo off. All right, uh, on to golf, John. The Masters is a week away. We are a week away from Masters week. Tiger did not win the WGC. We talked about this last week. You were locked in on it um, all the way to the the bitter end, in your case, with Kutcher. Uh, But, like, the thing we talked about last week was that this is just, it seems like an exhausting tournament. And not winning the tournament, there's, like, there's no shame in not winning the WGC. But how much stock do you put in what, tiger did like what mattered and what tiger did 
Well, he beat Rory. And to me, the moment he did that, everything else was gravy. He ended up losing on the 18th. The judges, judges. Yep. Uh, Got him. And it just. Who uh, do you know who finished third yesterday? Did Molinari beat Bajajajajar? I thought I didn't even know. I, I didn't really. Pay Maybe attention, he did, but I assume he was up two. I think when I was watching. I think you're right. I think Molinari did win, but him beating Rory and it, it, they teed off so early. And I got a lot of this like, why are they playing not on television? Well, the prop they had to play 36 holes, so you just you can't tee him off at 11 and then get the other 18 in. You, you got to tee him off at the crack of dawn to make it happen. And he beat Rory pretty handily, guy. He was up two up, I think by like whole six. He was pretty consistently just two up. And to me, like that, Rory just won the players two weeks ago. He's arguably, him and DJ, the best two players in the world. And Rory's resume speaks for itself. And now that Jordan's fallen off, and I, I think Justin's a little hit or miss. Like Rory is, I, I'd say him and DJ are the two best players in the world, and they're going to be the two heavy favorites going into the Masters. Tiger's going to be a pretty big favorite too just because he's – like the Cowboys or Alabama or what, he's just such a big name. But I do think some of it's just. If I told you right now, going into Sunday, Tiger's one bat, like it's believable, right? Yeah. Or Tiger has a lead going into Saturday, like the the 36-hole lead. You know, I, he's going to be playing. He is playing well. I Like you said, I it kind of just started getting weird because these guys are exhausted. It was cold. I think you were you were probably doing the game – on Saturday, Sergio, did you see the Sergio highlight? No. So Against he, Kutcher? He's playing Kutcher. He misses a putt. Has like a six-incher. And you know, in this tournament, they just, it's good. Right. Like, you can pick up. Kutcher never said it's good, though he was going to give it to him. Sergio's kind of a hothead. Hits it like backwards, you know. With oh, I saw that swing, yeah. And so he misses. And then Kutcher's like, you know, Kucher's a little weird with some of this shit and looks at the rules official was like, I was going to give him the putt, but I never officially said anything. And Sergio wore it. Sergio's like, my bad. I did fuck up. And so they're like, well, the rule's the rule here. You lose the hole. Because it would he would have tied so the it's hole. Not, so does that mean it's not even actually Kucher's decision at that point? Like, no, not, not once... He misses the putt, and Kuchar didn't have a chance to say anything. Yeah, it's out of his decision. So, it, like, now, conceding a putt is a it's a real act that you have to go through. You can't oh, yeah, just do like it, eye. contact. You have to say pick it up or whatever. You can't just do eye contact like nod. Like you have to say think, it's good. I think you can, but Kuchar's point was we didn't even talk or see each other. He never looked at me. If Kuchar doesn't say anything, yeah, then to it's the rules not official, good. then it's not good. But I'm saying but if he had never said anything to the rules official, like if the rules official said Matt was that good, he's like, yeah, yeah, it would have been good. Like would that have? Yeah, he could have superseded it, I okay, think. Okay. But once the rules official says, well, you lost the hole, Sergio and even Azinger said, well, the extreme is you just concede the next hole. And so Sergio's like, you want to concede the next hole? And I, you know, like, you just give me the next hole. And Kucher's like, well, that's not fair. Sergio said that? Yeah. <laughs> well, then it got like, Sergio was furious the next like two holes. Because then a couple holes later, he missed another putt. I tweeted it out. He like swung at the ball. Like, he was hot. He was furious. Again, I saw the he, swing of the. Oh, okay. He said after like it was on me, but he was still mad. And Kuchar was like, "Listen, like I." And in fairness to Kuchar, like there's too much on the line here. Like the winner was, I, I think the winner got like five million, four million dollars. It was a huge purse. Wow. Like, so that was a big deal for Kuchar's uh, caddy. Yeah, <laughs> he just exactly. He made like a thousand bucks on that. He just. But I, but I do think if you consistently watch the tournament, like 
there's never really any issues. Like it's close. The guy gives it's good. You know, people pick up all the time. Well, I I was watching at one point yesterday where they were saying like Sersgard and Molinari, and whoever was on the course, maybe it was Bones, was like, I think Molinari should be the first to play. I haven't even seen them look at each other. Sersgard is behind them, but he's playing. So they must have non-verbally communicated in a way that even the people around him didn't quite notice it. Yeah, just the Sergio thing had, like, legit tension. Like, Sergio, John with the caddy, and even Kucher. I watched the Kucher press conference after. He's like, yeah, it was awkward. And in in fairness to Kucher, like, bro, I'm not conceding you a fucking hole. Like, you fucked up. Right. And you admitted to fucking up. It was just, Sergio's just nut. (laughs) But then Sergio comes storming back. I mean, it was, it made it pretty good. But back to Tiger, Sergio's sleeper to me, like, we'll have to wait for the odds. Maybe they'll come out a little later this week on my bookie. Like, he's playing pretty good, too. Uh, Kuzher's playing pretty good. But I I, I I, think anything less than Tiger, like, legitimately being in the mix on Saturday and Sunday on our television would be a major disappointment right now because I, I don't think people are expecting him to win, but people are expecting him to have a chance. I think, I think if you are a cautiously optimistic person when it comes to Tiger, right? If you like, I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm not counting him out. If you're cautiously optimistic, then then it's then you're a person that thinks he he could win the Masters. I think you can be cautiously optimistic and think he could have a chance to win the Masters. Would you say if he wins the Masters in 2 weeks from yesterday, it's one of the biggest sports stories ever? After his 10 years gap, he comes back, all that he overcame, come back from the injuries, the wife, just how famous he is. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's le- it's not just leading. I mean, we're, everyone's talking about it in sports, but like CNN, ABC News, like, is that leading? Like, is it, I mean, how big of a story is that? It's pretty massive. big, right? <laughs> it's not as big as the scandal because scandals are always going to be bigger, but it's massive. Because again, she's one of the great stories. And he crashed. Yeah, it's one of the great stories in the history of sports. You saw him, especially like, because even after you agree all that, he's, he's winning and like he's his career is not ending on fourteen majors, right? He's winning another major. I don't know if he's getting eighteen, but I, I would bet I right now. So. If you said, "Okay, John, take five thousand dollars," you bet on he's going to win another major, maybe not the Masters, but a major or not win a major. I one hundred percent would put my five thousand dollars on he's going to win a major. I think I don't so. Know. I think so. As someone who was old, who was, it took a long time for me to say I don't think he's going to win again. I, f- I feel like I was one of the last people to, like, I, I kind of held out hope for a long time. That said, how big is his window well, really here? I'd say about three to four years. Yeah, so he is 42 years old. Right. He's battled injuries. You, you could argue he, it might be a legit three-year, 12 majors. He's got to get it done. Because part of the story is take the scandal out of it. He's still just an athlete that's had multiple surgeries. In a, he's just, like, that part of it still exists. And... But, if he puts the way he putted, puts at East Lake, then he can win. But that was a thirty-player field. Like that was a different animal. I that. do think you could argue, though, if he gets hot, like in that three-year window, why couldn't he win two or three? Well, you're right. If he wins one, he'll be the. If he wins the Masters, he'll be the favorite. Where's the on open? every major moving forward? Where's right the there open this year? Pebble. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> that's pretty sweet. Can you imagine the buzz going to the U.S. Open if he wins the fucking Masters for Tiger Woods? The last, I'm pretty sure, too, the last time it was at Pebble, they said it on the broadcast. It was 2010. Remember, Graham McDowell won, and his dad was right there. It was a really cool moment. He, I don't think, I think Tiger was hurt. Like, I don't think he played in that major. Mm. 
So I don't think he's played, and he doesn't historically play like in that tournament. Some he's hit or miss on the AT and T. Would you rather see him win the Masters or the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach? Because you could argue like the U.S. Open Pebble Beach would be pretty sweet too. Like him on eighteen, winning the going like this with the water right there. That'd be pretty badass. I mean, you, you would you argue that beside well, I Augusta, think Pep, when you just say Pebble Beach, second most famous golf course in our country, just you just say Pebble Beach. Yeah. Like what Wingfoot? You know, you just start saying the other names. I, I think him winning would winning at Pebble be more impressive. I think it'd be. Pretty, I I think it'd be cooler. Yeah. How many? Ma- I mean, I think he's got like how many Master Champions has he won? Five. Yeah. He's I, won at Pebble Beach before, I think. If I could pick one, I think I'm with you. I would pick Pebble. I just think the backdrop, like the Masters. Well, cool I also play. just think the U.S. Open is viewed as such a wide open tournament to begin with, right? Like, I feel like the U.S. Open is one of, I mean, the, the Masters, we go in and there's always like, ah, there's seven guys that can win the Masters just based on the, the course. Although Tiger, I mean, to win the Masters, he does have to hit fairways, right? But the same would apply to the U.S. Open. I, I think the U.S. Open is a little, just because the way they grow out the rough, Pebble could be really windy. It's just more of like a, ch- like the Masters is just, you got to play elite golf to win, but it's pretty straightforward. You don't have, Like what I you got to do? People like the could, elements come in, like that was when I, uh, when you're watching the tournament, it didn't seem as crazy. It seemed cold yesterday, but like definitely Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the wind the was wind, howling. Yeah. Like that, I bet you're like, God, this course is hard as shit. Right. But I would like him to go win a tournament versus just it's a field of guys falling apart. But even that, to win that, it doesn't matter. Um, by the way, John, my bookie is on the podcast next week, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're thinking about it and you haven't signed up at mybookie.ag yet, maybe hold off this week. Do it next week when the, when the HAM1 promo code is back in effect. Yeah. Starting next Monday. I, I think it works either way. Oh, okay. Well, Yeah, we're getting credit no matter what. All right, well, go, go do it then. What you so uh, I I was just seeing like I I think one of his original majors when he the Tiger Slam it was definitely at Pebble Beach. It was. Yeah, like in two thousand. I I actually don't think Pebble gets to the U.S. Open enough. To me, it should be like every five years. It's it ten years is like a little too much for me. I, I want more. I just think it's just you can never lose having a tournament there, right? Right. It just. If the Masters is the best, then it is. Like with the views, the sound. The whole thing. It's it. That's where you could argue like the Masters is just even a casual sports guy. Like that's just it's in your vernacular, right? And Tiger helped put it there. But the like e- even a guy that doesn't really like golf, you're like, oh, Tiger's winning the Masters. You're gonna flip it on. Part of it is that I would rather him play well and not win and win the U.S. Open just because I want to. I just the Tiger. Either way, it's fun. But I just I would love that build. I do think the buzz build up though, if you were to win the master going to the US Open For would sure. be like I'm just I'm just saying if you told me I could only pick one. Would be stupid. Yeah. Would be stupid. Oh man, he's back, baby. <sighs> I know. All right. Godspeed, on, adios. On that note, lunchtime. Peace. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.